I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, my friends, and welcome aboard. So, I just spent some time in Canada. You're saying, Lieutenant Joe, where were you yesterday? The day before. I know, I understand. And I appreciate everybody tuning in here to ask questions, think about the world, and do things together that we do here together. So I was in Canada. How did I get into Canada? Well, interestingly enough, um, I do threat assessments for schools and businesses, religious facilities, all that kind of stuff. And I had a job in way upstate New York that I conducted a threat assessment in, I guess, early June. And I had to go back up there to present to the school board and let them know what I found. Here's here's what I found in your district. Here's what's safe. Here's what's not safe. Here's what you should change. Here's my suggestions, etc. And while I was up there, I said, okay, uh, I can go up the day before. It's about a six-hour ride. Stay overnight, do my presentation, come home the next day, or I can try and enjoy some of the time that life has to offer. Now, a couple of episodes ago, I talked about spending time enjoying yourself, about living life other than just working. And this was one of those opportunities. I said, you know, I have this wonderful wife who works really, really hard for me in my police training business. She works really, really hard to help take care of uh, my father-in-law, Ted, our number one fan who's out there. Ted, how are you? I know you're listening. And she takes care of our family. She helps with the grandchildren. She takes care of all the stuff that I need, the nonsense that I need in life. And she looks out for people. She's also looking out for other people. So Kathy is just a really wonderful person. And I said, what can I do to really help her, to do something for her other than just, you know, okay, I'm going on a business trip. I'll be back in three days. You know, and, and you know, for me, you know, as a man, if, if she had to go somewhere, I would miss her. But the three days would not be horrible for me. I would spend time looking at my computer, playing my guitar, you know, writing stories or whatever. But I know it's it's difficult um, for other people. And I know for Kathy, she likes our daily conversations. We talk in the morning over coffee. We spend our time together. We come home in the afternoon. We have adult beverages, cocktails in the afternoon. Uh, we hang out with Ted, you know, and then we, we watch a movie or something and go to bed. So I know it's a little tougher for her to be by herself. So I said, what can I possibly do? Well, it was a very simple decision. I said, hey, listen, why don't you come with me and we'll go to this beautiful area, upstate New York. It's the Finger Lakes region. If you've never been there, it is really, really beautiful. The wine country there is absolutely amazing. I mean, New York State wines are uh, on par with California uh, wines. They're really, really great because the the ground where the, the, the wine grapes grow and all that stuff. I told you when I was in California, I learned all, all kinds of uh, stuff about grapes and wine when we were in Napa Valley. But New York State is also home to some great, great wines. And the Finger Lakes, those gigantic lakes uh, that are up there in upstate New York, they were uh, formed by the glaciers pulling back and all that, just like the Great Lakes. But they have some great vineyards on both sides. So we had been there, I don't know, five years ago. I did an assessment for this district. And I got to tell you, I wish I could give you their name, but I won't because that's a security thing. But these people 
had me there five years ago and they wanted me to take a really good look at their district. And I did. And they brought in a second company at the same time because they wanted as many opinion as they could get opinions as they could get. And we gave our reports and they did almost everything that the two companies suggested. Well, five years later, they want us to come back, me and the other company. And they said, listen, it's been five years. We've had a pandemic. We've spent money. We've done stuff. We want to make sure we're as safe as we can be. And I got to tell you how absolutely amazing, first of all, that they would commit the resources and they would commit the reality of we want to know if we're safe or not. Have we made the right changes? Have we taken your advice properly and upgraded our safety and security? So I don't want to get into that right now, but I can tell you the area is beautiful. And last five years ago, I took Kathy up there and we ended up staying a couple days early or a couple days late. I don't remember what it was. And we visited the wine country all along, all along uh, Cayuga Lake. Really beautiful. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. So this time around, I'm saying, what can I do? You know, can I do we want to go up there again? And that's what I said. Kathy, you want to go up there and we'll go to Cayuga Lake or we'll go to one of the other Finger Lakes that are up there. Uh, she says, hey, how about Niagara Falls? Now, there are so many wonderful places in America that many of us don't get to. Um, I saw a thing the other day, I saw a meme the other day that said, how do you know you're a real New Yorker? Because you've never been to the Statue of Liberty. We have some amazing things in our country, historical things and places that we don't always get to visit. So when she said, hey, what about Niagara Falls? I said, I think that's a great idea. Now, it was, it was three hours away from the Finger Lake area. But I said, you know what? Let's do it. And then she did research because that's what Kathy is really good at. She is my research maven. Uh, if I want to know what's the best kind of cigar to get, she will find out the best cigar available in the country, in the world, in my area, and at the store down the street. And I use cigars as, a, uh, as an example. But it doesn't matter what it is. She, she, she's great at doing research and comparing things. So I said, so where do we go? Do we, we stay somewhere um, on the American side? You know, what do we do? She goes, listen, I've looked it over, and the Canadian side actually has better views of the falls. And they really do, because we've all seen pictures of the falls. But you don't realize there's two sets of falls there. There's the American Falls, and they're called the Bridal Veil. They are the smaller of the two. And they, they emanate out of the, uh, the closest I can put it for you is uh, the Buffalo, New York area. Right? Buffalo is the big city close by. It's about 18 miles away. But on the American side, that comes to the Bridal Falls. And they are a smaller set of falls. The ones we all see on the news clips, the ones that we, we see the people go over in a barrel and all that kind of stuff, that's actually called the Horseshoe Falls, and they are on the Canadian side. So Kathy says, hey, listen, we should go to the Canadian side and see the Horseshoe Falls, because that's really the big um, set of Niagara Falls. So I said, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm not so fond of Canada these days. Nothing against my, my Canadian listeners. I love you people, but I know your government's a little wacky. That Trudeau is a little... A little strange, isn't that guy? I mean, he's, he seems, he's probably further down the socialist take away your rights uh, road than just about anybody else on this side of the world other than South America. So I, I wasn't thrilled about it, but I said, you know what? Let's go. We have our passports. We have everything. 
let's go see what's going on there. And, and we did. So a couple of things. First of all, when you get up there, you have to go through the border crossing. Now, with all the talk about the weak border down south, uh, the cro crossing points, the border crossing points, are manned by people from the border patrol, right? This is what they do. They monitor. They check you out. Who are you? You have to show what you're doing, where you're going, how long you're going to be there, whatever. Well, we're on our way into Canada, and you arrive at the bridge. I think we went over the Peace Bridge. So there's the Peace Bridge, the Rainbow Bridge. There's a bunch of different bridges. And we arrive there, and you basically get to the point of the bridge, and that's when you have to go through, I guess, a customs point is really what it is. And we had our passports, we had our vehicle registration, we had proof of insurance, etc., etc. And when I got there, the young man gave me a good look, and he looked in the car and he goes, okay, I see a, a regular-looking guy with his wife here with a pickup truck, good American passports, uh, and he says, hey, so uh, where are you going in Canada? Well, going to the falls on the Canadian side. Oh, how long are you going to be there? Um, I think we're going to be here till Monday. Okay, do you have anything to declare? Now, all I told them was I had a bottle of Tito's vodka from uh, Texas uh, and a couple of bottles of New York State wine that we were bringing with us, you know. And he says, okay, have a great trip. And away we go. And we went right through the line. Next thing you know, we're in Canada and we're driving around. Now, the reason I bring this up and mention this is because it was really very simple, but I had to show my ID he compared my passport picture to my face. He looked at my driver's license. He looked at my registration. He gave me some scrutiny, basically. And if I didn't have a good reason, I felt like he would tell me, you can't go. Right? So in we go to Canada. Now we go there. Now, if you've never been, I'm just going to give you a minute or two. This is, this, is our, um, this is our social studies kind of a thing. So we got there, and first of all, everybody there could not have been nicer. All the people we met at the hotel, at the vendors' places, the people who sold tickets, the, the cab drivers, everybody was really, really very nice. What I did notice, what I did notice I thought was really cool is that you don't realize what a, um, uh, I, I guess a universal city Ontario is, because that's where you go. You go into Ontario so you can see the, see the falls. It is really a melting pot of the world. While we were there, we saw people from probably just about every country in the world were there to visit. And the hotel, you know, you get breakfast in the hotel. They had different kind of foods from different regions around the world to make sure that everybody visiting had something that they could eat, that they could eat with their kids. And even though everybody was from a different country, there were different races of people, there were different religious backgrounds of people. The one thing I saw that brought everyone together was that mostly it was families trying to do something fun with their family and they were there to see something absolutely beautiful. The falls, because they are breathtakingly beautiful up close. So if you've never gone, uh, you say to yourself, ah, it's the bread, who cares? It's not, it is breathtakingly beautiful. And what you do see, I posted a bunch of pictures and my friend Bill, you know Bill from the neighborhood, Bill, the man of faith, Dallas. Bill posts uh, a response to a picture of the falls. I, I did a video of the falls. 
Uh, and at night, they light them up with different colors. I'm telling you, absolutely amazing. It's something you have to go experience. But Bill posts back, he goes, it's the power of God on display. And he's, oh my gosh, was he so right. It was so beautiful. Now, the steam, it's not steam, it's mist. The mist that rises above the falls, the horseshoe falls. That's what they call the Canadian side, the horseshoe falls, because it's shaped like a horseshoe, is the gigantic falls that we see all the pictures of. And the water crashing down at different times of day, when it's different sunlight on it, different temperature. In the morning, the mist covers the entire area. And I think it's 2,000 feet from one side to the other, from the Canadian side around the Horseshoe Falls to the American side. It's like 2,000 feet, which is it's pretty far, right? It's almost, you know, almost a half a mile. And uh, the mist fills the entire area of the falls. And then it right, we were on the 22nd floor of our hotel. Um, and the mist was above our window. So we had a we had what's called a falls view hotel room, which means we opened the windows and you we're right outside the horseshoe falls. I mean it, absolutely beautiful. And the price was not as ridiculous as we thought. American money is actually a little bit more valuable than Canadian money at this point. So the room, for example, was three hundred dollars Canadian. Well when I got my bill, because we had it transferred over to America, it was like two fifty. So we saved fifty bucks. But it was, was it worth it? When we woke up in the morning, the sunrise was over the falls and it was right in our window at the 22nd floor. Absolutely gorgeous. In the afternoon, when we came back to take a little bit of a siesta, um, we came back and the falls was gorgeous. And you could see the ravine. We could see the American Falls, the Vale Falls, uh, as well as the Horseshoe Falls. And then at night, at 10 o'clock on the dot, every single night of the year unless there's bad weather they do fireworks over the falls it is really an all-american slash canadian kind of a thing to do and it was it was absolutely amazing it, it was really beautiful so if you're planning a trip and you're in the region or you're going to come to the region i'm going to, to tell you positively go see the falls now one of the coolest things that you can do there there's two things you can do the boat, the Maid of the Mist. We all heard of that. That's the American side. The Maid of the Mist is the boat that rides right up to the falls, to the Horseshoe Falls. And everybody's wearing ponchos and the water's coming down. You get wet. It's really pretty cool. But you're, you can feel the power. You can hear the power of this place. The Canadian side has a boat also, and that's called the Hornblower. So you take a Hornblower boat. And we were going to take a Hornblower boat. But the line, I got to admit, in the summertime, uh, it was probably a... Mm, three-hour wait to get on a boat with uh, 300 other people and go see a 20-minute ride up to the falls. If there's one thing you need to know about Lieutenant Joe, I'm not a line guy. I don't like lines. I don't like standing in line. The only time I don't mind lines, well, I don't even want to talk about this place, the D place down in Orlando, Florida, when it used to be an all-American kind of place, and I took my kids. I didn't mind standing in line at the D place because... It was just so beautiful and so amazing. I just stood in line. I happened to be in the D place. It was, you know, the greatest place of all. But other than that, I really don't care for lines. And thinking about waiting three hours for a 20-minute boat ride, but boy, you could be really close to the falls, and that's what I want it to be. I've told you I'm a tactile guy, right? I go to museums, I get in tr trouble for touching the art because I want to touch it, I want to feel it. So the idea of being in a boat 35 feet or 40 feet from the falls crashing down, I had to do that. So we were going to buy tickets, and we held off. 
And then my researcher in, in general, uh, Miss Kathy, she goes, hey, look what I found. Would you like to go underneath the falls? I said, what? Underneath the falls? She goes, yeah, there's a thing called Journey Under the Falls that you can do there. Relatively expensive, 25 bucks a person. Who knew that back in the day, way long time ago, they dug tunnels underneath the falls and they have outlets that go behind the water. Uh-huh, that's right. So you go down an elevator 200 feet from the, the building where they, where they sell the tickets and you step out into the past. You're now in these tunnels that were dug. They had been dug 100 years ago. I don't have the exact date. But you're walking along and you hear the rumble above your head of the falls. And she's like, wow, this is, this is kind of realistic. And there's two spots that you can walk right up within 10 feet of the water crashing down uh, from the falls. And there it is right there. It splashes in on you. You get wet. The tunnel is wet. You are underneath the falls. And the, I'm telling you, it was awe-inspiring for me um, to stand there. And, and you take your turns. Everybody takes turns in your groups to go up right up to the very edge. They have a railing so you can't go in the water and fall down the falls. But you are so close to it that when it's splashing back, every once in a while it splashes back. You're right there at the falls, underneath the falls in the rock. It's, uh, it was so cool that I didn't need to go on the boat. So there's a, a little tip for you. It was so cool, I did not need to go on the boat because I had such a good time. But uh, let's say they, they do them by time. So our time was 11.45 in the morning. You start to queue up. And I don't know how many people they let go down there, maybe 200 at a time. Well, we were in the first 50 people that actually went down. And we got to see the water behind the falls in about a 15-minute wait in the line. By the time we got done waiting our 15 minutes and we walked back out, the line that we had just been in that took us 15 minutes to get to the water was probably about an hour long with people. So if you got there, if you weren't in that first group, you'd be waiting an hour or so at least to get your three or four minutes at the falls, you know, underneath the falls. So there's another tip. Get there, get there early if you're going to do it. But for me, I didn't need to then go on the boat. So we didn't. Instead, we spent time in the town. And uh, the, the thing I thought, like I said, was really cool was seeing families from all over the world. I mean, literally, you could hear dialects, you could hear languages, all these different languages of people, uh, of what they were speaking, and you could kind of pick out, oh, that's German, oh, that's whatever. You saw people from Africa, you saw people from Europe, you saw people from South America, you saw people from just about every single place. And everyone got along beautifully because everybody was there for the same reason. They had their families with them, right? And they were there to see something beautiful and that brought everyone together. So I'm gonna to totally suggest you see Niagara Falls if you've never done it. It is worth the time. Is it a romantic place? It is a romantic place. Our room that we had um, was what's called a loft room. So it was, it was really a special room. Um, and we had the, our living room and our kitchen was on an open level with these gigantic windows. We pulled our chairs up. We brought up a, a little coffee table. We had our coffee in the morning looking at the falls. We had our lunch in the afternoon. And then we had cocktails in the afternoon when the colors light up the falls and the fire was really beautiful. But 
we had a loft room. So there was a set of stairs that went up to our bedroom, which had a, a private bath. All this is wide open. So when we're laying in bed at night going to sleep, we could see the falls and you could hear the falls even on the 22nd floor. Uh, it was just, it was really an astoundingly wonderful experience. That's the good parts. Uh, the food in the hotel was good. It's expensive there. This is one of those touristy places where they're going to they're gonna try and pull every dollar out of your pocket that they possibly can. If you go off the strip, if you go off the main strip, you can find local restaurants, which is awesome food, really great people. It is so westernized in this area of Ontario. You think you're, you think you're in America. All you did was cross a bridge. It looks just like America. Everybody is the same. It's really, really nice. Um, of all things, can you imagine this? I pack my bag, and how I pack my bag constantly to go on business trips. But we were so busy and running around the day that we left, I took all my pants out for the whole trip, other than my suit, which I needed for my business uh, activity. And I put them on my bed. I loaded up my suitcase, put it in a truck, got ready to go. I left all my pants at home. So we get there, and I open my suitcase, and I had no short pants, and I had no long pants other than my suit. I had plenty of drawers and I had plenty of t-shirts and plenty of dress shirts. I didn't have any pants. And of course, you know, that's like one of those things on vacation. How do you forget your pants? I don't know. I left my pants on. What can I tell you? We went to a Walmart in Canada and it was just like a Walmart in America other than, you know, you're spending money in, you know, uh, Canadian dollars. But I went in. It was just like being in America. It's, it's totally Americanized, totally Westernized, um, really modern, modern city. Um, but let me get back to some of the downsides. Other than the fact that seeing all the different people from around the world in a hotel was great. It really was. It was wonderful uh, to see people of different religions, races, creeds, nationalities, everybody getting along and smiling at each other and laughing, even though we didn't speak the languages of each other. We all knew we were there for the same thing, and it was fun. By the time it got to be about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it got so crowded you couldn't you couldn't move down by the um, there's a walkway there's like this long walkway from the falls from the horseshoe falls it goes all the way down and through and it goes past the American Falls you can look across and watch them it was so crowded with people you are literally people to people on top of each other in every direction which was um, a little a little uncomfortable for us We're not, we don't care so much for uh, that kind of crowds. Uh, but other than that, it was it was really uh, a wonderful a wonderful uh, time over there to see all these different people and see those falls. So if you're looking for something to do and you've never done it, uh, go see the Statue of Liberty because that's really an amazing place. Uh, we did it as a family, and Niagara Falls, really not bad. Um, when it came to cost, because the American dollar is worth a little bit more than the Canadian dollar, we did okay. Uh, we did bring our own Tito's and our own wine, and we enjoyed that in our room. But other than that, it was um, it was a nice experience. I happened to stay in a Marriott because I'm a Marriott guy. I like Marriott hotels. Uh, everybody in there was, was really good. They were friendly. It was wonderful. Um, the one thing that they don't talk about there is they're not overrun with politics. It's not on everybody's lips. Now, maybe that's because we were in the tourist area. And everybody's got their own politics, their own situation going on, their own stuff going on. Um, but we got a few days off from it. We didn't have to listen to it or hear about it uh, or any of that kind of thing. So that, that, was our, that was our 
our, our trip this week. I was over in Canada and it was really a lot of fun. And uh, if you ever want to go, I'm going to I'm going to tell you now we are going to get into our our political talk. We're going to talk about the Biden investigation. We're going to talk about um, how that should be handled. Where would you look as an investigator? I'm going to give you some uh, information that I think is important. Um, it would really help you to understand how you should do an investigation. Um, um, and we'll get into mm, some of the, um, the the things about Mr. Weiss, you know, the attorney who's now the special counsel, and what we think about him, uh, and how we how we should look at that and consider those kind of things. We'll talk about Hunter a little bit and what he could be looking at. Um, and then I do have a series of questions because one of the things you can't point out to people. Um, and say to them, well, you're wrong because of the way you believe. You're wrong because this So instead, I've come up with a, a quiz, a little quiz uh, that I'm going to give to all of us where we're, I'm going to ask some questions and you will give your answers to those, to those quiz questions. And based on your answers, it will help you to understand where you might fall politically. Now, that being said, interesting... Uh, another interesting thing that happened and we're running out of time for this segment but I want to tell you about this too this was really cool another international thing with Lieutenant Joe a very good friend of mine Yankee Doodle Keith um, has a daughter that he uh, had put up for adoption and he hadn't seen her for many years I told you this story and we had a big reunion for them here at our home and this young lady is uh, she's absolutely amazing young woman she is I think she said she's 38 Maybe she's 44. I think she's 44 years old. She doesn't look it, though. I'm telling you, she looks uh, she looks 30 years old. Beautiful young woman. But she lives in Italy. She's an American citizen. She lives in Italy, and she works for the State Department. And she helps people over there. If, you, if you're in Italy and you lose your visa, if you lose your, uh, you lose your uh, passport or whatever, this is the person you're going to be dealing with. Well, she was an absolute doll. Well, she came here to visit. And she wanted to come to our house and visit with us. So Kathleen and I, of course, we hosted her here. We took her to Atlantic City, where we, you know, I've told you before, I don't care for Atlantic City. We actually had a little bit of fun while we were there. It wasn't too bad. We planned it properly. But when I talked to her about politics, we were sitting here having some adult beverages when we got back from Atlantic City. And she classifies herself as a liberal. She was a big Hillary Clinton person. She really loved Hillary um, thought Hillary was great for women and, you know, pro-power of women and all that. And as we sat here discussing issue by issue um, about what it meant to be liberal and what she believed about things in the world, she started to, her answers made it very, very clear she was not as liberal as she thought she was. And Kathleen and I are sitting there talking to her, well, you realize that that point of view you have there, that's not a liberal point of view. That's a conservative point of view. She goes, oh, my God, I could never call myself a conservative. And by the time we were done talking, and we weren't trying to, you know, push her one way or another. We were just asking questions. What do we do here, Lieutenant Joe? We ask questions. We were asking her questions, and her answers revealed her to be a very, very conservative person. Uh, but I think she was more of a classic liberal uh, as opposed to the new modern radical socialist liberal. And that's what she came to believe by the end of the conversation. She goes, you know... Other than what I've been told my whole life, I can't say I'm a conservative. I guess I really am. And this is the point. If we talk to people, we ask questions, 
we can help guide people in the right direction. All right, so we'll be back in a minute with more with Lieutenant Joe. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Loud. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news. Liberty and justice for all. All right, everybody. Welcome back. All right, so a couple of things. I'm going to cover a couple of things here that are important to me, and I want to tell you about them because I think they're good. All right? I want to tell you that they're good. And I'm honest about things. So first of all, if you're worried about your health, you want to be healthy, you have a problem sleeping. If you have a problem forgetting, what What was that? Where am I supposed to go Tuesday? Do I have a doctor's appointment? You start to have a failing memory. The Healthy Cell Company, they're all over the network here, right? They, they advertise all over the network. Um, I take the immune boost. It has kept me healthy for a long time. I've, I've never felt better. I've not had the problems I've always had my entire, most of my life. That's the healthy cell. The focus factor is a product that will help you help your memory. All right, so uh, some guys in the neighborhood are taking it and they are actually all seeing positive results. Now it's not turning them into 19 year old memory people, but it's taken, uh, it's taken all of them to a better place. And we're gonna hear from them shortly. I'll have them back on again pretty soon. And then the other one is the, uh, the REM sleep product. Uh, and I told you my, my cousin's taking it. He, he's a young guy. He's 34, 35. He raves about it. He's bought it uh, two or three times, two or three refills. He finally gets to sleep. I want to tell you about that. The other thing I'm, I want to tell you about, and I want you to know about this. Um, you know I'm a writer, and I try and write. I try and write about well, uh, real things, first of all. I like 
I, I write about police training and I write about things that can help law enforcement. So I have two books. Uh, the first one's called The Interview, about how to conduct a proper, thorough, and complete interview. I don't care what you have to interview for. It was written for law enforcement. But if you have to interview anybody, uh, you'll want to read this book. It's going to give you a lot of insights on how to deal with an interview, how to construct it, how to ask the right questions, how to write follow-ups. And it's from the companies called Blue360 Media. So if you go to blue360media.com, you'll find Lieutenant Joe's book, uh, the interview. My second book by blue360media.com uh, is called The Investigation. And this is a really interesting book. Uh, I take the story of a brutal double homicide I investigated and I use it as the backdrop for teaching how to conduct criminal investigations. So I tell some of the story, then I talk about what we could have learned in that if you were an investigator. And then I tell more of the story and I tell you more about learning. It's really very interesting. So the interview and the investigation by Lieutenant Joe Pangaro, is available from blue360media.com. Go take a look. And I'm telling you, if there's any law enforcement people in your family, uh, police, corrections, sheriffs, federal officers, it doesn't matter. These books will help them be better at what they do. And it doesn't matter who you have to interview, it'll help you too. All right, so those are my plugs. I want to give a couple of plugs. I gave my plugs, all right? So thank you for indulging me to talk about, um, you know, some fun stuff going to Niagara Falls, going to uh, other places. Go to Napa if you ever get out there. You know, California is crazy. San Francisco is everything you've heard it is. When we landed there, the airport is beautiful. I mean, it's a fantastic airport. Uh, but the city itself is really a train wreck. It was nasty. There are signs everywhere that says, hey, lock your car, take your stuff, leave nothing in the car. This is a smash and grab area, even in some of the touristy places like by the Golden Gate Bridge. It's beautiful there. You walk on the bridge. It's fantastic. But people will bust your car open if they see a bottle of water. So that's kind of crazy. But the wine region is really very, very nice. Um, it, and it's a fun place. So I tell you about fun things. Do fun things. I get to go there because I have business that takes me there. And I'm very, very lucky uh, that my business takes me to these wonderful places. All right. So I said we were going to talk a little bit about the Biden investigation. And we are. So I think it's pretty clear to anybody who's got a brain in their head, and I say that, I'm trying to say that appropriately, anybody with a brain in their head that can look at things realistically knows that Joe Biden and his family are involved in corruption up to their eyeballs. They've been caught. It's as simple as that. He has sold, um, he has sold access to himself through his son, through his his family members, and they've profited by the fact that he's been in a important... He was a senator for 40 years. He had a lot of power. And then he was the vice president for many years, and he had power. Now he's the president. He has power. And he sold that influence uh, to people to get things done. Now, our friends on the left, when we listen to them on the news, what do we hear all the time? They have nothing. There's no evidence. There's no proof that Joe Biden did anything. No proof he got any money. Right? But the stories there have changed. And why do stories change? Why do, why do lines that people put out change? So remember when he was asked, have you ever spoken to your son about his offshore business dealings? I've never spoken to my son, ever. Never, not one word to my brother, my son, anybody about their offshore business, never talking about it. Did any of us in the real world ever believe that if you were with your son, who was an international businessman, 
doing business in China, Ukraine, Uzbekistan, Russia, all these places that, that, that are negative towards America, let's say. Your son's doing business in those places, and you wouldn't ask about it, right? Now, we're not the vice president. We're not political people. We're just regular people. But say one of our kids got a job and ended up in one of those countries. You wouldn't ask about their job. What do they do for work? What'd you do last week? Who'd you meet? What are you talking about? What kind of contracts do you have? Of course we would do that because first of all, it'd be interesting that they're in another part of the world doing their job, right? We would find that interesting. So for Joe Biden to say, no, I never spoke to my son ever about his business. They never talked about anything about it in my family. We never talked about anybody. We never talked to anybody about their business. We don't talk about anything. You add the fact that he is the a senator of the United States of America, or he is the vice president of the United States of America, or he is the president of the United States of America, and his son is doing business deals with China, Russia, Ukraine, and all these other countries, and you get together with your son that you love and you are close with, you never ask him any questions about what he's doing with China, Russia, Ukraine, or all these other places? Does that make sense to you? Of course it does not. It is BS. The reason that it feels like it doesn't make a difference is because the mainstream media does not cover it. They don't talk about it. And therefore, if they don't talk about it, it can't really be anything to it. I think they saw, I saw a poll recently that said 50% of Americans, 50% of Americans had no idea what the Hunter Biden scandal was all about. Why? Because if you watch ABC, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, you watch any of these very liberal networks, they don't talk anything about it. There's not a word said about it. There's nothing said about it. The only time you hear about it is here on America Out Loud, or you might hear it on Fox News, uh, or one of the other few, very few and far between conservative networks. Other than that, they don't talk about it on those other places. So 50% of Americans have no idea what this is all about. They just see Grandpa Joe, he's such a nice guy, he's trying to do the right thing, and these evil Republicans are going after him, making up stuff about his son because they just hate him, and they hate his son, right? So that's what people actually believe. Now, I know that's hard to believe for us, especially you in the audience out there that listen to America Out Loud, that listen to this show, that have, a, have a, an interest in the world that are paying attention. You know, as well as I do, that it, the old saying where there's smoke, there's fire. It is crystal clear that President Biden and his family is up to their eyeballs in corruption. And they have been for a very, very long time. But our friends on the left who keep insisting that there's no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. Well, you're not going to see a check written from uh, Xi Jinping to Joe Biden for $3 million for corruption in the notes. You're not going to find a check like that. That's not how it works. What happens is you have go-betweens. You have people like Hunter and Devin Archer and his other business partners that go and broker the deals, talk about the stuff. They don't say, listen, I'm going to sell influence to my father. What they do is they make it clear that 
My father's the vice president. My father's a senator. My father's the president. I talk to my father. That's why there are 20 phone conversations on speakerphone with Joe Biden. Because this is when I'm sitting in a meeting with a multi-billion dollar company owner. And I say, oh, I, I have confidence, confidence with my father. I, I, I talk to him at any time. My father uh, listens to me. And this, as a matter of fact, let me dial him up right now. Hey, how are you? They don't get on the phone and go, okay, so what corruption are we going to do together today? That's not the conversation. It's all in the presentation. I can call my father at any time. He answers. He picks up the phone. He picks up his cell phone. I have the president of the United States on the phone in a split second, the vice president, the senator, whatever he is at the time. That's how it works. To pretend any other way is either you're outright lying to pretend that that's not how it works, or you're really very stupid. And I hate to say that. I hate to say that to anybody. Um, if you don't believe that that's how it works and you don't understand how it would work that way, you're either, you, you don't want to know, you're ignoring it purposely, or you're stupid. Now, I know that's nobody in our audience, but that's how these things work. And we, we see this money. So I've, I've given you some investigative tips in the past, what I think people should do. So here's my advice uh, to the Congress. Here's what I would say to uh, Mr. Comer and all these other people that are running these investigations. What are they looking for? Are they really looking? Are they trying to look or whatever? I would say you're not going to find a check from Xi Jinping to Joe Biden or from Zelensky to Joe Biden. You're not going to see that. That's why they have 20 shell companies to send the money to. It gets divvied up and then it's sent out to the family members, this and that. Here's where you look. You take your subpoena power your very powerful subpoena power, and you go to the mortgage companies where Joe Biden got his mortgage for his beach house, for his other million-dollar properties. You look at his brother's properties and where they live and the family members that live in this life of luxury that none of them have any businesses whatsoever to make this kind of money, and you subpoena the payment records from the mortgage companies. Now, you're going to hear this next week or the week after, because I really do believe a lot of people, lots and lots of people are listening to this network and they're listening to this show. Because every time I say something and it comes out on our show here, I, two, three days later, I hear it in other major media. Now, that sounds conspiratorial a little bit, but I remember Mark Levin calling them the backbenchers, the backbenchers, listen to me, and then they talk about it. Um, I try not to be a backbencher. If I hear something from Mark Levin, I give him credit. If I hear something from Sean, I give him credit. Um, but here I'm telling you that I would go looking at the mortgage companies and I would say, where did the payments come from? What banks did they come from? What was the down payment on this beach house, this $5 million beach house or whatever it is? Where did that money come from? Then I would go and subpoena all the bank organs from every single one of those shell companies. From the day it was opened, I want to know who opened it, who signed the paperwork, where did it come from? Uh, and I want to find every single check you know, the 150 suspicious activity reports when this money came across and came to these places, I'd want to see every single record for those bank accounts. I want to know where that money came from. Where, did it, where was it dispersed to? There's a record of that. See, it's the paper trail many, many times that gets people in trouble. There's a paper trail of every activity we do. You use your ATM. There's an activity report on that, and not, not a suspicious one, but there's a record that you use your ATM, where you use it, how much money you took. When you wire money to somebody, 
they do that. I just got a, um, very interesting, I just got a travel uh, debit card. Now, this is a, uh, a Delaware-based company, and basically you get their travel card, and you can load it up with, you create an account, you can load it up with money from your personal bank account, then you can use this card all over Europe, actually most of the world, and the exchange rate for the money, which you normally have to pay, is is minuscule because you have this bank account and it's an international banking thing and they just move money say from uh, american money to canadian money or they move the money from american to italian or money to german or money to french and you save a ton of money um but one of the things they they had there when i was filling this out they want to know for an american you have to list your social security number because they're going to keep track of how you move money around because this is a way that maybe you could move illegal money around and you have to give your information. So unless there's an investigation, nobody would ever know. But if there was, they have they have a record of every dollar that came in and came out of your bank account. Now, think about your mortgage. When you got a house, when you bought your house, you had to get a loan, right? That loan came from a mortgage company or a banking company or somebody uh, gave you the money. They deposited them. Now you go back to that bank and you go, okay, where was the down payment? Where did that come from? Where did the check come from? This is how white collar crime or economic crime as it's called now, this is how uh, economic crimes are investigated because there's a paper trail when you're moving money around. So I would say go to all their properties first and figure out how is the property paid for? How is the mortgage laid? Who put the deposit down? What bank did that come from? Where did that money come from? That is where you will find money shifting around between people. That's the place to go and look to see how did this money go from China and end up benefiting Joe Biden. Now, the other thing we know um, is that they say, well, Joe Biden only spoke to the, first of all, he never had any contact with the business uh, people that his son dealt with. That story has changed. Now they say, he was never in business with those people. Now, wait a minute. Put the brakes on. You never had any conversations with your son about his business partners. Never, ever, not one. And you stuck with that when you were asked. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, all this evidence starts to come out that maybe there are phone recordings of you talking with these foreign business people that your son was dealing with. And then one day in the briefing room, the story goes from absolutely not, no contact ever, ever, ever to was never in business with his son. That, do you realize what a huge uh, change, uh, paradigm shift that that is? Which means, yes, maybe you did have conversations, which you told us you didn't. Could you imagine if Donald Trump was asked, did you ever pull the tag off of one of the my pillow guys pillows that you bought and he said no never I've never ever pulling the tag off of my pillow guy pillow and then evidence came forward that there were tags pulled off his pillow and he said well I, I never tore them off as opposed to pulled them off the press would would be apoplectic that you changed your story, that you changed it even one minute little part, because then that means you did pull them off. You didn't rip them. You're using words, right? So let's try and keep this in line here. When I teach investigation, 
one of the things I talk about in an interview is when you talk to people, there's a, a technique I've, I've coined called boxing in. Right? So if I ask somebody, uh, hey, listen, the 7-Eleven between your apartment and the place you work was robbed this morning. Uh, and you told me that you normally walk on the route between your apartment and your place of business along the road where the 7-Eleven was. And I ask you, did you walk that route today when it got robbed? And the person answers me and says, uh, no, today I didn't. I didn't walk there today. And you say, oh, okay. Now, if you just ask that question and they tell you, no, I didn't walk there today, and you walk away from that, later on in your investigation, if you find video of this person on that block, you know that they lied to you. And when you get them on the stand or your test, if they're testifying, you say, listen, you told me you never went on that block. And we have video of you walking up that street. They'll probably say something like this. You know what? You're right. I didn't think I went up that block, but that day I was late and I decided to, to uh, you know, take the shortcut and I went right, right up that block. Yes, so I was, but that's why, because I was... Now, they lied to you, but now they have an excuse that can sound plausible. Therefore, you missed a great opportunity. So boxing in, the purpose of boxing in is to cut off all avenues of escape in an interview. This is why you need to get the book, the interview. Okay, so boxing in might be something like, so listen, um, you told me that you normally walk up the street from your house, from your apartment, to your place of business, past the 7-Eleven, but you told me that you, you went a different way on this date. Is that true? Yes, yes, today I went a different way. I, I went to, you know, the other way I want to get a bagel on 8th Street instead of going down 7th Street. Oh, okay. If you leave it at that later on, like I said, they can, you've got video, shows them, oh, you know, I forgot, I actually got the bagel and then I went that way because I was late. Boxing in works like this. So listen, um, did you go up 7th Avenue by the 7-Eleven that day on the way to work? No, I, I didn't. I told you I went to 8th Avenue, got a bagel. Okay. Now think about it for a minute. Let's think. Are you sure there's no reason you would have gone up 7th Avenue by the 7-Eleven? Did you, did you go that way because you saw a friend uh, standing by the 7-Eleven, you want to go talk to him as you were passing by. So you decide to go up that street. Is that possible? Uh, no, I didn't go that way. Um, is it possible that uh, as you were as you were going by, um, you decided to get a slice of pizza at the place next door and, and then you went in there? No, no, no. Is it possible that as you were going by, uh, going down a corner and you looked up 7th Avenue, you saw the stuff, you said, hey, oh, I, you know what? Let me just grab a quick cup of coffee. See the idea? The whole concept of boxing in is that you think of every possible excuse they could give you later on, and you ask them as many times as you can. You said you were not on, on the 7th Avenue by the 7-Eleven, and you were given a million opportunities to say why you were there, and you still said no, and now we got video of you walking into the 7-Eleven. You've boxed them in. The only reason they can be there is because they did something wrong. So with Joe Biden and these people, you would want to box them in by saying, how did you pay for your house on the beach? Where did the down payment come from? What bank did you use? What checking account did you use? Where was the funding for that? Was it an ACH funding? Where was the money that it, from, your, uh, from your paycheck as a senator? Can we see the records of your paychecks and your automatic deposits for the past five years? Because then you'll see a regular paycheck. What do they make? 200000 a year? You'll see a regular paycheck every Friday going in there. Then all of a sudden you see $40,000.
Well, where did that $40,000 come from? That connects to a suspicious activity report of a million dollars that went into this uh, shell company that is divvied up between nine people and one of those payments ended up in your payment, right? You see, so paper trails are extremely important for economic crimes. So for our friends uh, who are, are running these investigations, they need to start thinking like this. Now, I, I, I've, pushed, I've pushed this pretty hard, pretty hard. I'm going to take a little bit of a deep breath because what I want to, I want to consider here for our investigative purposes is that let's think of who's doing the investigation. Now, I think Comer's doing the right thing. I think uh, Gates is doing the right thing. I think um, Jim Jordan is doing the right thing. I also think that the Republican Party is filled, filled to the brim with rhinos who really don't care about having power. They just care about having their good life. And they don't care if they're the minority, as long as they got their good life. They're not standing up and fighting. They're not coming out screaming and hollering. They're not demanding. They're thinking it through. They're thinking their moves through carefully. Do you think our friends on the left spend this much time thinking it through? Or do they just plunge ahead doing whatever they have to do lie, cheat, steal, bend rules, ignore the Constitution. They don't care. They go running ahead to do what they have to do to maintain their power and to maintain their storylines, whatever they are. Our rhino friends, not so much. So Ted, my father-in-law, asks me all the time, why doesn't somebody step in and make sure they do the right thing? Well, who's, who's to step in? We don't have an outside... Uh, truth and justice agency that steps in and goes, you're lying and you can't, it's not right. It's just not there. So we see the difference in our two parties. Our friends on the left, they got the cojones of steel. They don't care about lying. They circle the troops and they lie. Um, and they stick with their lie. And then they find people who will back up their lie. And then the media backs up their lie. Uh, but our friends on the right, mm, not so much. You got a couple of brave people and you got a bunch of cowards and this is where I think uh, this is where we have a problem. So when we look at this, um, when we look at this mess, let's look at uh, special special prosecutor Weiss, who was a uh, attorney general, uh, deputy attorney general, handling the Hunter Biden case for the last four or five years. Now he allowed the statute of limitations to run out on most of the charges. He didn't proceed with anything. He had he had the laptop for a long time. The FBI had it for 18 months, I think, verified immediately. Uh, but they allowed people to go out and lie and say it was Russian propaganda when they knew that it wasn't. They didn't step in and do anything about that. And uh, Attorney General, Deputy Attorney General Weiss, ran this investigation. He allowed things to expire so you can't charge them. Now he comes forward and says, I need to be a special prosecutor so I can do this properly. Now, um, there's some people have jumped up and down and says, he can't, it's against the law. He's in the government and the law says it has to be somebody from outside government. Well, that's not really true. The guidelines say that it should be somebody from outside of government, but it's not a law. It's a guiding principle within the Department of Justice. And what do our friends on the left do? They just ignore it. Well, too bad. We're going to have the guy who's been in charge for the last four years, who's done nothing, 
who's hidden things, who gave a sweetheart deal to Hunter Biden to give him immunity from any other charges that might come forward, didn't tell the court that. Thank goodness the judge found it in there and questioned him about it. And that's why the Hunter Biden deal fell apart. But now this guy is the special prosecutor. Do you really think that he's going to do the right thing now? Now, I got to say, I've heard people say to me, well, he's going to realize now that his legacy and his reputation is on the line and he's going to do the right thing. He might even send Hunter Biden to jail for 10 years if he can. And here's my answer to that. No, he won't. Uh, he's bought and paid for. He's on the team. And half the country, half the country is applauding what he's doing, even though they know he's cheating, lying, stealing, stalling, and doing everything he can to blow past this without having to do the right thing, without holding anyone really to account. They're applauding him for that. And see, that's what's hard for most people to accept. People that are good, decent people who believe in truth and justice want there to be truth and justice in our government, in the way things are handled, in our courts, in our law enforcement. And unfortunately, we're not in that place anymore. Uh, so no, do I think Mr. Weiss cares about his reputation? Uh, the only people who care about his reputation are the people on the right who already realize he's already destroyed his reputation. For the people on the left, they think his reputation is great for what he's doing. So we're kind of in a conundrum here. We're a mystery wrapped in an enigma from a famous movie. Now, there's a ton more stuff here for us to talk about. But unfortunately, we're running out of time. But I want you to think about the things that we talked I didn't get to my quiz. I'm going to get to that in the next episode. But I want to thank you all for being there. And remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And always keep thinking. What do you want for the future of your country? Because the time to choose is coming quickly.